chapter 8. Um, and just as, as he said, he was looking forward to hearing this message again out there. I was looking forward to preaching it. Uh, it's been a great help to me, uh, been an encouragement to me as well as a uh, convicting to me about uh, just doing more for God and speaking, speaking up and speaking out more for Him, uh, uh, telling the lost what He's done for me and what He can do for them. Um, I'll go ahead and give you the, the title to the message while y'all are finding the place, uh, Serving in Spite of Suffering. And some of this may not necessarily be, though it can be, uh, suffering in the sense that we may think, but uh, some of it may be more so serving in spite of shame or serving in spite of being mocked or something such as that. But uh, that's what I've used for the title uh, that is fitting as well, serving in spite of suffering. Uh, now, we know in chapter 7, uh, Stephen has just been stoned. Uh, he was stoned essentially for standing uh, for the truth and for standing uh, for Jesus and standing for the faith. And so Stephen had just been stoned to death in chapter 7, and we'll go on into the reading of chapter number 8, starting in verse 1, we'll read down through verse number 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. We'll pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. Thank you for your precious uh, people, God, we thank you for meeting with us as you do uh, so often here. Lord, we ask you to meet with us again tonight. Lord, we thank you for that wonderful message this morning. God, we thank you for your power that falls from heaven. God, we ask you to meet with us tonight. Father, hide me behind the cross. I pray for your message, your words to be uh, preached and spoken here tonight. Father, I pray that you would get all of the honor, the glory, and the praise for what comes out of this message and this service tonight. God, we thank you for the good singing that we've already had and the good spirit that we felt, and we ask you now to manifest yourself and your people tonight, God. Uh, again, hide me behind the cross, and may you speak tonight to us, God, through your word, and we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so we see that this was obviously a time of great persecution for the church. Stephen, again, has been stoned to death. Uh, Saul is consenting to this. We hear a lot of about Paul uh, in, in preaching, but I, I haven't heard a whole lot about Saul. And now it's a wonderful thing to, to know the life of Saul and then turn around and know the life of Paul. It just shows the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God. But here we're dealing with Saul. He was a Christian killer. He was totally against the Christian faith. 
to the point, to the extent of murdering those that were of the faith. So this was not a joyful time for this church. This was not a high time in the church where God was just blessing his people and and flooding their souls with goodness and glory and joy. But rather, this was a time of great despair. No doubt there was a fear of death that crept about and swept throughout all of the people of God in this church in this day. There was a fear of death for simply for their faith and what they believed in. There was a man out to get them just simply for their beliefs. There was a Christian killer on the loose, if I could say it like that, and that was Saul. So this was a, a very fearful time. It was a time of great despair and fear of death swept through this church uh, because they could be stoned to death, killed, just simply for the things that they believe and stood for. This was a time of persecution like we have never known today. Uh, but I don't really have much doubt that some of us in here may live long enough to see uh, uh, greater persecutions than what... I mean, we think that we get persecuted because someone uh, says something negative about us, but that is that is nothing in comparison to what I believe it is coming to. Uh, a message such as our pastor preached this morning, I don't have any doubt if a certain crowd, a certain group of people heard that message, they would be out to get him, they would be out to have him locked up uh, for speaking against the things that they believe in. Uh, I don't have any doubt that that could happen in this day, so I believe that it's coming very soon that we may have to deal with some things like that. When some men stand and preach against the sin that is out in this world, there may be some repercussions, uh, and, and I want to be strong enough in the faith. I want to have enough God in me to not care what may happen if I stand for the truth and stand for what's right. So this was a time of persecution like we have never known. And we think that we've uh, we've got it so bad because we may not have the life that we think we deserve or we may not have the nicest of things. or We may not have exactly what uh, we want in our flesh. But I'll say this, the life that we want in our flesh will never be the life that God wants for us. Uh, but He wants a better life for us than what we could ever dream up, what we could ever imagine, what we could ever think up in our human minds. The life that He wants for us is far greater and far better than what we want for ourselves. And that's why He is the Master. That's why He is the one that we need to go to and seek Him for everything in this life. We've got a Savior that we can call on to save us from hell, but we think that we've got it so bad because of some little sufferings down here. And I understand there's some people in this church that have suffered far greater things than I ever have and uh, hopefully even ever will. I know some of us have gone through some uh, some hard times. I don't make light of that, but in comparison to what the Savior went through for you and I, it is nothing what we go through down here in comparison to what this church went through, there's no comparison. And we're scared to pray in public, not because we'll be persecuted, not because there may be a, a Christian killer in the room, but just because we're embarrassed. What a shame it is that we are ashamed. Ashamed of our faith in this day in which we live. Uh, we are fewer in number. The, the greater, the mass majority are uh, such as that crowd that uh, he mentioned this morning, or that crowd that professes uh, to be a Christian, yet they live like the world. This, this is the mass majority of the people that, are, that we are surrounded by today. But we ought to not be ashamed 
of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 6 and verse 10 says, Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. I'll read several more verses of Scripture similar to this. Uh, and there's many more that we could find throughout that talks about the Christian and not being ashamed in their faith, but rather let the enemy, let those that are against the faith, let those that are against Christ, let them be ashamed for what they believe in. Let them be ashamed. Uh, they are a shame. They are. It is a shame to spit in the face of God like the people do in this day and hour. It is a shame that God sent His only begotten Son to die for us that that are so undeserving, and then for us to just turn and reject Him and spit in His face as so many of us do in this day. And I'm, I'm speaking kind of lost people, but saved people do it too. We'll spit in the face of God. It's a sad thing when it happens, but it happens. Psalms 25, verses 2 and 3. Oh my God, I trust in Thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Again, let them be ashamed. Let those that are serving Satan, let them be ashamed. We ought not be ashamed of our God and what we believe in. Verse 20, O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. He was preaching this morning. It goes down through those different things, uh, beginning with tribulation, ends with hope, which ends with not a shame. Those things that we go through in this life trickle down through the line. In the end, it should come out that we are not ashamed of Him. That we're not ashamed of the God that we serve. And it's for good reason. Because we've gone through these trials and these struggles and these tribulations, if you will. But through it all, God has been good. Where's the shame in that? There is no shame in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought not be ashamed in our faith. Psalms 31 and verse 1, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made... My foes, that is not the one I'm supposed to be reading. In Thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in Thy righteousness. Verse 17, Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon Thee. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Again, over and over, you can find in this Word of God that we are not to be ashamed, but rather... Let our enemies be ashamed. Romans 10:11. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. 1 Peter 4:16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory, let him glorify God on this behalf. Give glory to God for your suffering. These believers were being persecuted, yet they gave glory to God. Everywhere they went, they preached the Word. They testified of the goodness of God. He is worthy. It does not matter where you've been. 
It does not matter what you're going through right now. It does not matter what is around the corner. It does not matter what you may be facing in this life. What is coming ahead, God is good and He is worthy of our praise. And He is worthy for us to go and to tell. They may be undeserving, but so were you and I before that point of salvation. Really, we still don't deserve it. That's that's the mercy and the grace of God. But But God came to save that which was lost. He come to seek and to save. Jesus Christ come to seek and to save. And we, uh, God is worthy of us going and telling that lost man, wherever they may be, He is worthy. They may not be, but He is worthy for us to go and to do His work. He came to seek and to save the lost. And He uses His people to testify, to give the gospel to the lost man. See, they were not able here to gather as a church family as we are here tonight. They did not have this privilege to come and sit on the padded pews in the air conditioning. But they were scattered. They were not amongst the brethren, but they glorified God and they preached the Word in spite of their sufferings. I was going over this message this afternoon and I began to to kind of picture it like this. We've probably all seen the movies, uh, maybe Slave Times or, or different situations where uh, they're just throwing dozens of people in this little cage with bars with wheels on it. It's strapped to a horse and they're hauling down this bumpy trail and they get these people to this place and they just snatch them out and drag them out and throw them on the ground into the dirt. Maybe they're in shackles. And I just begin to kind of picture this in this time that maybe these people were carried away like that. Maybe they were scattered about like that. Oftentimes when you see those things, people are ripped away from their families and they're all spread out to different places. They all went separate ways. Very seldom will you see uh, one family in a situation like this uh, all go together, but they are scattered about. And this is, is what they're dealing with. This church has been ripped apart from one another. They're scattered about, yet they're still going and preaching the Word of God. They are still telling of the goodness of God in spite of their situation, in spite of their suffering. Talking about serving in spite of suffering. In verse 5 through 8, we see the results from this. We see the results from the people of God being scattered about, being ripped apart from one another, yet they still preach the Word of God. They still give their testimony. They still, they, they still go and tell of the goodness of God in spite of their situation. And I'll say this, uh, we may not realize it, but lost people are looking at us. I believe it's, I mean, it's been said behind this pulpit, I'm sure. It's been said amongst one another. Lost people are looking at us. The lost people in this world are looking for something true. They're looking for something that is right. They're looking for something that is different. And you and I have it. If we're saved, if we're a born again child of God, we have exactly what they're looking for. They just don't realize that's what they're looking for. They're trying to find it in any and everything else that they can. But in verse 5 through 8, we see the results from this church that was scattered going about preaching the Word. The people took heed when Philip preached Christ to them. They did not just sit on the church pew in la-la land like some of us often do. But rather, they were attentive. They were attracted to the preaching of the gospel. They were attracted to the preaching of the word of God. They were paying attention to the words that Philip spake to them. And I wonder why that is. <clears throat> we see in verse 1 
we see that those that were scattered, they were all scattered except the apostles. Look at verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So this was not the man of God. This was not the called preacher, but this was just the believer. These were the people of the church. They went everywhere preaching. They were teaching. They were testifying. They were telling of the goodness of God. They were telling about that day of salvation. Then in verses 5 through 8, we see Philip preached to the city of Samaria, and the people took heed to his preaching. See, the church, which was scattered, they had already went out. They were already telling the people. They were already giving the gospel. They had planted the seed. Maybe watered the seed. And then the man of God went down. He preached the word to them. And the people took heed to his preaching. See, we may not always see the effects of us giving the gospel to someone else. It it may not be in our cards to see those effects, but it may be in our cards to tell them about what God's done for us. To tell them what God can do for them. To give them the gospel. The church which was scattered had already done this work. They were doing their part as a Christian, as a church, as a body of believers. Though they were scattered, everywhere they went, everywhere they were, they preached the Word. They were testifying of that day of salvation. They were testifying of the victories that God had had in their lives. They were testifying of the goodness of God. They were telling everybody everywhere they went, knowing that they could be stoned to death for their very beliefs and the very things that they were telling them, yet they still went and preached the Word. They still went and gave the Gospel knowing that they were at risk of being stoned to death for their very beliefs. For the very things that they were preaching, yet they still stood for what was right and for what was true and still tried to give the Gospel to the lost man. And in verse 5, we see God's man went down. He preached Christ to them. And many were saved. It says unclean spirits were cast out. Those taken with palsies and the lame were healed. And that's exactly what took place when you and I got saved. The unclean was cast out. We were no longer in our motionless state. We were no longer helpless. We were no longer at a loss for sensation. But things were changed and things were made new. If you're walking with Christ, you're in motion. That, that palsy is the loss of power of motion or sensation, or both. And that's exactly the state that a lost man is in. They have no power of motion. They have no power to move forward in themselves. They have no sense of sensation in the sense that we do as a believer. Yet, But they seek these sensations and and motion in the things of this world. In the drugs. In the money. In the alcohol. And anything else that you can think of that people of this world chase. They're seeking something in those things. But if you're walking with Christ, you are in motion. 
You're going forward. You're going all the way to the end victorious. And there's no words that we can speak. Yes, there will be pain along the way. Yes, there will be suffering along the way. But there's also joy along the way. And there's no words that we can speak on this earth. We try to describe what heaven might look like or what it may be like to see eye to eye with the Savior. But we cannot grasp it in our finite minds. We cannot explain or describe what kind of joy it's going to be like on the other side. There, There is no words. There is no prize. There is nothing greater in this world that we ought to want more, that we ought to allow to take place over serving Him and doing for Him and uh, 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 what may take place of the the trophies that we may, the crowns that we may be able to earn here to lay at His feet there. There is no comparison. You couldn't pile up enough money down here to outweigh one little crown to lay at Jesus' feet. There is no comparison. If you're walking with Christ, you are victorious. If you're walking with Christ, it is your duty, it is your obligation to serve Him in spite of our sufferings. Look again at verse 5. It says, He went down to the city. I'm going to read that. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them wonder why it is we don't see many saved in this day. Maybe the world's just too wicked. Maybe they're just too far gone. That's an, that's an easy out for us. That's an easy one to throw out there. Maybe the church just isn't going anywhere, maybe even every, <clears throat> going everywhere, maybe even anywhere, preaching, teaching, testifying of the Word of God. Maybe the church isn't telling the lost man about the Lord. Maybe we're okay because we know we're saved and we're not going to hell. Maybe we don't care enough to go down to that center. Maybe no one will go down to the city. Think about Jonah. We're a lot like Jonah a lot of times. See, Jonah, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach to the people of Nineveh. Jonah said, uh-uh, I'm going this away. Nineveh's that away. He didn't want to go and preach the Word to them because he knew that God would forgive them of their sins and he didn't think that they were deserving of that forgiveness of God. How often have you and I turned and went the other way when someone that didn't look the part, that didn't look like they deserved it, that didn't look like they'd ever amount to anything and God pricked your heart to go and tell them something. Go and tell them about the Lord. Go tell them what He done for you. And we turned and we went the other way because we didn't think that they deserved it. Or maybe we were just ashamed. We didn't want that person that we think ain't good for nothing. We didn't, we were too worried about their opinion of us to go tell them about the Lord. Maybe no one will go down to the lost sinner. Maybe no one will get down off of their high horse and meet the sinner where they are and just tell them about a man that met them one day when they were at a place, when they were at a bottom, when they were hopeless, when they were at their lowest point. Maybe we ought to just go and tell them about that man that came to you and I when we were hopeless, we were found without hope, but Jesus came to us. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. He did not die for the rich man. He did not die for the righteous man. He did not die for the good man. But He died for the ungodly. And that's exactly what you and I are without Him. He came down from where He was, the highest of places in heaven with the Father. 
He came down and robed Himself in the flesh of a man to live the life of a man, to die the death of a sinner that you and I deserved so that you and I could have everlasting life in Him. And we're too good and we're too busy sometimes to get down off our little pedestal we've put ourselves on and, and, and like a fool and tell them about a man named Jesus whose service was to do the will of the Father, whose service was to suffer. Talking about serving in spite of suffering. What if Christ had said, uh-uh, that's, that's too much suffering. I'll not do that service. What if Christ had said no? What if Christ had said, I, I don't want to suffer for them. I don't want to do that service. That's too much. What if Christ had not served as He was supposed to? As the Father sent Him to? What if Christ had not served? Where would you and I be today? What if you and I don't serve as the Lord leads us to? What effect might that have on someone else? When God pricks our hearts to go speak to that drunk man, or to go speak to that uh, uh, whoever it is, that lost person, we could have been the one that stood in the way of them getting the gospel. Now I don't doubt that if that man's going to get saved, that woman's going to get saved, that it'll happen. But. What if you just cost them five more years out in sin? We never know what God has in store, what His plan is. We just need to follow Him and serve Him in spite of our sufferings. Tell them of a Savior that loves them, that died for them, but is alive today and wants nothing more than for them to come to Him in their broken state so that He can put the pieces together Save their soul from an eternity in hell. Give them life more abundantly. Allow grace to abound over their sin, just as it did for you and I. Where would we be at today if Christ did not do His service? What position could we put someone else in if we don't do our service? If you want to have this effect like Philip did in your preaching, in your teaching, in your testifying, you're going to have to live a holy life, a clean life, a set-apart life, a busy life for God. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of, of laboring. There's many hours of prayer and study and fellowship with God and laboring for God that is necessary for God's power to be on your preaching, your teaching, your testifying, your giving of the Word of God. It is necessary for His power. And God's power is what it's going to take to get the people's attention. I believe that's why Philip got the people's attention. One, the church had already been out preaching the gospel. The church had already laid some groundwork. And I believe Philip had enough God on him to go in the power of God to draw and to get the people's attention. If you'll live a clean life, in front of a lost man, he'll see something different in you and he'll want it. I, I believe this has been said before, aside from this, but I believe I was listening to a preacher and he said, you ask a lost man, not talking about a professing Christian 
but someone that's just lost, ain't never stepped foot in a church. You ask them, what do they expect out of a Christian? What kind of life do they expect a Christian to live? Is it right for them to go to the bar and drink on Saturday night and then turn around and be in church on Sunday morning? That man's going to tell you, no, that's not right. They expect something from you and I. They expect us to live a clean life, a holy life, a righteous life. And they're looking for it, and they can't hardly find it. Because nobody is living like we ought to be living. I'm preaching to myself tonight. There's very few people that are going to stand and live right. I understand we fall. None of us are going to be perfect. But that's what they're looking for. And that's what we're supposed to be striving for. They're looking for a Christian to be perfect because they think that that's what a Christian is supposed to be. And that is what we're supposed to strive for. So if we can, if we can strive for that and look as much as possible like that because we are trying to live that way, the lost man is going to see something in you and I and he's going to want it. And what that's going to be is Christ. Then notice in verse number eight, and there was great joy in that city. Because the people preached. Because the power of God was upon Philip. There was joy in that city. There can be joy in your life. If you're lost, if you get saved. And follow the will of God. No matter your circumstance. No matter your situation. You can have joy. And you can spread that joy wherever you go. See, people in this life are seeking happiness and fulfillment in all these areas. But they don't realize what they really need is joy. And that joy can only come from the Savior. That joy can only come from being able to lay your head on your pillow at night knowing that if you don't wake up, you're not going to hell, but you're going to heaven. Talking about serving in spite of suffering. There's a lost and dying world out there. Many are going to hell. Many are going to go. The Word tells us straight is the gate and narrows the way. There's not going to be a whole lot in comparison to the number that's out there that are going to get in. But you and I, the saved, born again child of God, we have what they need to get in. I want to encourage us tonight. It is encouraging just to know that. That you and I, if we're saved, we have it. We're getting in. We're going there. We don't have to go to hell. But we need to have a burden for those that may be going. Trust that this has been a help to us tonight. Talking about serving in spite of suffering. Serving, preaching, teaching, and testifying in spite of what others may think. Because we're not doing it for fame. We're not doing it for someone to think something of us. But we're doing it for Him and because of what He done for us. What He done for you and I. Again, what if Christ had not done His service? What are you and I doing when we don't do our service? I'll close in prayer and give it to you, preacher. Lord, most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word tonight. 
God, I thank you for the help this message has been to me. And I do pray and trust that you've helped your people tonight. God, I pray anything said out of your way, God, you'd just wipe it away. Lord, I pray that you'd stirred some hearts tonight, God, that you'd uh, uh, lift up your people and encourage your people, God, to stand strong and to stand firm and to testify and to teach and to preach your truths, God, that this world is so desperately looking for and so desperately in need of, yet they're looking in all the wrong places. God, help us to be that one. Help us to to share Shed that light on that lost man, on this dark world. God, I pray that You'd give us a burden for the lost. God, I pray that You'd make these things so true and evident in our lives. We've all got lost loved ones. God, help us get a burden for them. Help us get a burden for that man that we don't know, God. Help us get a burden for those lost. God, help us to tell them of that man that came to us when we were hopeless. God, I want to thank You for salvation. God, I thank You for saving me. God, I want to thank You for sending Your Son to die for whosoever shall call upon Him shall be saved. God, I pray You touch Your people tonight, God. I pray that You'd have Your will and Your way in our hearts and lives. Lord, be with us as we part ways. Help us to go out this week, God, preaching and teaching and testifying of Your goodness and of Your Son and of that day of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.